You're listening to Surrounded by History, a podcast of the Blue Earth County Historical Society. Produced by Radio Mankato with your host, Historical Society Executive Director Jessica Potter. And now, Surrounded by History. Hello and welcome to Surrounded by History. I'm your host, Jessica Potter, with the Blue Earth County Historical Society. Joining me today is Jeff Lang with Radio Mankato. Every week, this program explores the history all around us, the history in plain sight. Rather than talking about a place or an event, today's segment is ripped from the headlines. Every year, we are encouraged to get a flu shot to prevent or at least lessen the effects of the disease. Every year, there are strains of the flu that are either weaker or stronger than the previous year. And every year, people succumb to the, the, the disease. Maybe it's small numbers and it could be large numbers. This year, we are in the midst of our flu season, which typically happens in the winter, and also this new coronavirus, a.k.a. COVID-19. But as we pull today's segments from the headlines, let's go back to where some of this all began. 1918. So we're going to kind of venture back into the past a little bit, and there's a reason why we're doing that. I want to remind people that in the late winter of 1918, um, people across the United States became began coming down with what was at that, that time known as influenza, or the flu. While the illness rarely lasted more than a week, um, the outbreak appeared to vanish ever, after several months, so just March and April. Um, and that, but that unfortunately was just the first wave of a strain of influenza that later would become known as Spanish influenza or the Spanish flu. While it vanished from the United States, the outbreak spread to the rest of the world where it infected and killed millions of people before returning to the United States in late August of 1918. And Spanish influenza reappeared in Minnesota during the end of September 1918. So you weren't around at that time? I was, no, I was not. Okay. Thank okay. you, though. All right. Just checking. So um, so it has a very interesting story. So we're going to dig a little bit more into um, how it affected locally, how this, this influenza outbreak over 100 years ago. So the first case reported in Mankato was in October, early October. And within a week, um, the local, I didn't know we had this, and I don't know that we still do, the city health officer um, and the Mankato City Council recognized the seriousness of the situation and took steps to prevent the spread of the illness. Mankato officials banned public funerals for flu victims, for those that died from the flu. They closed churches, schools, theaters, dance halls, pool halls, anywhere where people were gathering. In addition, doctors quarantined some of the flu patients in their homes while some other patients were cared for at the hospital. Now, we think of, we would just think of today, if you get the influenza, you you are going, you go to the hospital for treatment. Mm -hmm. But at that time, you have to remember that um, most people didn't have health insurance. Okay, yep. You know, and although it was only $3 a day, for a hospital stay, <laughs> well, the, I think that sounds lovely. I, sh- I shouldn't say anything, but that's probably like the box of Kleenex that you get to take <laughs> home. Um, anyway, that was a small amount, but people didn't have health insurance to cover it. So even then it was too much. So unfortunately, doctors could do little um, to 
cure people of influenza at this time. They, they, there was no cure, and they were unsuccessful coming up with vaccines to target the illness or the virus. Um, in fact, some of them um, just started using uh, turn of the century. I don't remember this. They're, they're going to use anything they can think of, including we'll just take some alcohol. Um, which, you know, that would put you out for a few days. Or how about Vicks? Just rub some Vicks vapor rub all over and you'll get better. Yes. That's what I do. <laughs> Vicks rub on my feet and then put socks on and go to bed. There you go. We'll see. Every it, time. it goes back to 1918, I guess. <laughs> um, but as you can imagine, none of this really wiped out the influenza virus um but by so to really understand the 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 gravity of what this big disease was at the time by the end of 1918 outbreak Minnesota had 150,000 wow. confirmed cases of the Spanish flu and 8,000 deaths Wow. So we hear, we get, um, this time of the year, we're always getting updates about, you know, how many have been hospitalized for the flu. And, you know, we may have um, a handful of deaths um, every year because of the flu with compromised immune systems and things. But during just 1918 outbreak, 8,000 deaths. Wow. So in, by December of 1918, the influenza pandemic had uh, had already kind of left most of the United States, but it returned again in March of 1919 and again the following winter in 1920. Um, the last outbreak was especially severe in Mankato, with as many as 1 in 20 people getting sick. Yet the city did not treat the epidemic as seriously as it did in 1918. So I'm going to ask you a question because we've talked about this. What happened in January of 1920 right here in Mankato? There was a big community event. 1920? Yeah. Um, January 1920. I don't know off the top of my head. The Mankato Winter Carnival. Oh, that's what I was our first podcast. I missed that one. Uh-huh. See? I went back to listen to it. Okay. Yeah. So think about this. That was in the middle of all of this. Exactly. So even though in the outbreak in 1920 was really ended up being more severe, Mankato refused to cancel the Winter Carnival. And so visitors were coming to the carnival from all over Minnesota. We, we talked about that in that first podcast. Um, but city officials felt the epidemic was not serious enough to warrant the cancellation of the carnival. However, just days after the carnival began in the middle of January, the Minnesota State Board of Health estimated that Mankato had 600 unconfirmed cases of the Spanish flu. Wow. I mean, this is a point where history is... The show must go on. Exactly, where history is layering on top of each other. We've talked about January of 1920 as this big, fantastic festival, but an underlying current that's happening during this exact same time is this major influenza outbreak. So um, by the end of the Spanish influenza pandemic, which lasted can't get over this either. March 1918 until May 1920. It just kept circulating the globe in waves. Yep. And it kept coming and going. The disease, get this, the disease killed an estimated 50 million people worldwide, including an estimated 675,000 people in the United States, um, 15,000 of which were from Minnesota. And right here in Blue Earth County, at least 160 people died 
from the influenza Spanish flu outbreak um, wow. pandemic. Um, and this is an interesting little thing, too. We There were so many... Um, casualties of World War One. Gotta remember this is during World War One as well. Um, so many casualties from World War One, but most people don't realize that almost half, if not more than half, actually died from influenza and not from the effects of war. Oh wow. I never even thought of that, but I suppose. Yeah. So You're not immune to it on the battlefield either. No, exactly. Exactly. So a weird little question, why was it called the Spanish flu? Yeah, that was the first thing I always wonder when you hear about it is why. So why is it the Spanish flu? So no, it wasn't that it started in Spain, which I think a lot of that people was my first thought. Yeah, a lot of people might think that. So this is interesting. So during World War One, again, remember you've got all this stuff going on. Um, you've got major, um, major corporate, major countries battling against each other. So to maintain the morale during World War One, wartime censors, um, the people who would only tell the the good stuff of the war to keep the morale up, they minimized early reports of the illness and the mortality that were taking place in Germany, the United Kingdom, France, and even the United States. So they kind of downplayed it. Okay. But because those were the ones, those were the countries that were involved in the conflict, and so they didn't want to show that one country may have been weaker than the other because of the illness. But Spain remained neutral during the war. So they just kept saying all of the stuff that was going on was happening in Spain, of but course. nowhere else. Of course. And so because of this, it gave the false impression that Spain was especially hard hit and therefore gave the name the Spanish flu. So there you go. So media dictated the whole name. Huh. And- media never does anything like that, yeah, do they? no kidding. <laughs> So what made this one so severe? Yeah, this is is the one that just boggles my mind. And I I think about it when when we're in the midst of, you know, a a bad year for the flu or or this new virus that has been um, been attacking across the globe. So but 1918 will always knock on wood will go down in the record books as the worst. And the reason why um, is, again, thinking about things that are happening at the same time. The world is engaged in World War One. So um, during this time in 1918 is the end of World War One, but still you got to think about these close quarters, the movement and mobilization of troops, large groups of people in close contact, um, living conditions that are overcrowded, not just from the military, but you think about the big cities, mm-hmm. um, big crowded, overcrowded places. Health services are very limited um, and 30 percent of the U.S. physicians were actually deployed to military service. Uh-huh. So they're not even here on the home front. Um, and um, our favorite all-purpose friend, penicillin, is not discovered <laughs> until 1928. So an unusual characteristic of, of the Spanish flu is the easiest way to remember it. Um, it had a high death rate in that killed people that were healthy adults between the ages of 15 to 34. Now, usually when we hear about the um, the flu kidding, it's always uh, watch out for small children and, 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 the and the elderly. Well, this one actually, it did that, but it also it, um, really had a hard hit on that ages 15 to 34. The very active lifestyle ones then. 
Exactly. Um, and so because of this, this is what made the death rate go up even higher because it really didn't seem to like, um, I don't want to say pick on the weak, but it really didn't, it went right towards the ones that you would least expect to have gotten it. Um, and it actually lowered the average life expectancy in the United States by more than 12 years. Oh my. I know. Isn't that crazy? So, uh, a little story about the um, the effects of the 1918 flu epidemic or pandemic. Um, actually, one of the Hubbard, R.D. Hubbard of the Hubbard House, one of his children died from influenza. Oh, wow. So it did hit really close to home. So the big thing that I keep thinking about, especially at this time when when we're we're talking about a, a virus that has started in in the, um, China and where is it coming and who has gotten it and how much is coming to the United States, they keep using the word pandemic, and I think the word pandemic or epidemic they that's just kind of a scary word. It's very scary when they use that. Yeah, and so I was personally curious, and I went down a major rabbit hole as most historians do. Um, I was curious to know well, what is a pandemic. So I looked it up. Um, the World Health Organization and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention have some great information on their websites. So a disease doesn't have to infect the whole globe to be considered a pandemic. Um, lots of people over broad swaths of territory will survive. Suffice. So it doesn't mean that every single country around the globe has to have and have to have part of the virus there. It just has to have these broad strokes. Mm -hmm. And the World Health Organization defines a pandemic as the worldwide spread of a new disease. Um, The CDC offers a definition that's a little bit more elastic, describing it as a disease that spreads across regions. It's important to know that calling a disease outbreak a pandemic doesn't um, mean that it doesn't necessarily connect to its severity of the illness. So saying it's a pandemic it means everybody's catching it right. doesn't mean it's actually severe and like deadly. Right. It doesn't have the, those two words don't necessarily go together. And although we I think in our heads put them together immediately. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, wasn't there a movie like in the 90s called Outbreak or something? Oh, yeah. You know, so it, it's it, it kind of just plays on our fears. So um, so the term solely to the amount of ground the outbreak covers. So that's really what it does. It doesn't have to do about the severity of it. So um, this is what I thought was interesting. Since 1918, the world has experienced three additional pandemics. So 1918, again in 1957, 1968, and most recently in 2009. So these pandemics were less severe and caused considerably less mortality rates than 1918. Like I said, 1918 goes down in the record books. Um, So 19 1957 was the H2N2. We're kind of familiar with the H1N1 virus. Right. So in 1957, it was actually the H2N1. And in 1968, it was the H3N2. I mean, they just come up with all this. What do these these mean? (laughs) I don't know. But in 1968, it was an estimated 1 million global deaths due to that illness. Um, And the one that we most recently went through in 2009 was the H1N1 pandemic. And that was fewer than 0.3 million deaths in its first year. So again, put that in comparison with 1918, 50 million worldwide. 
insane. Yeah, so let's let's honestly hope we never do get to that level. Was there none at least documented before that then? So you said additional pandemics since the 1918? Right. There was ones before that. I'm sure there... I, I'm sh- I, I don't know. I'm sure there were, but I think that um, 1918 is just really goes down in the record books, and then you have to think about how was medicine changing, and how was medicine being taught, and how was medicine being recorded, um, and actually, um, I totally went down a rabbit hole, um, and it's a fantastic resource on the CDC's website, um, talks about in the 1950s, um, they actually... So and there's a there's a town in Alaska that and I can't remember the name of the town, but this town in Alaska had like 80 residents. And during the 1918 um, pandemic, almost 90 percent of the community was killed due to the virus. So there was only like wow. like 12 people left. Right. OK. Um, and so because it was such a mass destruction for this one town, they did a mass burial of all of these casualties. Um, well, it's in Alaska. So there is um, more frozen land. Right. OK. So keep that in mind. So in the 1950s, um, a scientist knew about this. And so they started researching. They, they requested permission to um, to go into that mass burial. And they were able to go down layers because it was all frozen. And they were able to harvest um, and it some of the cells from those victims to be able to determine what kind of flu were they really working with? What mm-hmm. was the 1918 flu? Right. Um, and so things didn't really pan out in the 1950s, but the concept was revisited in the 1980s. And they were able to um, take an entire section of someone's lung um, and dissect it and research it and things like that. And so it wasn't really until the 1980s that they knew what that flu virus was. In 1918, wow. that had actually killed so many people, and it turns out, and this, according to the CDC's website, it turns out it was the H1N1 virus. That's what it was in 1918. Mm-hmm. That's what the actual thing. And that what was the name of that? Is it that the swine flu? Or was that the bird flu? So that was the swine flu the swine in 2009. Nine. Yes, that was H1N1. Was yes. swine. Yes, interesting. Yeah. So uh, there is a whole article. There's a whole story about um, how they've done the research and how they've tried to then be able to figure out what are some um, antidotes? Mm-hmm. Um, what are some treatments that go along with these different viruses? So a very interesting, if you're if you're interested more in learning about the 1918 pandemic and that virus and how they have con- continued to learn from it, which makes it so that we have flu vaccines, we have treatments, things like that. Um, and really all of that is because of this mass destruction right. that happened in 1918, and we've learned from it. So great resources on the CDC's website, the World Health Organization's website. Um, I cannot take any credit for it. I do not have a medical degree. <laughs> um, I'm just a history geek who really fell in love with trying to understand this a little bit more. Um, so really interesting stuff. Um, I also wanted to point out, I, I was just reading um, a little bit more about what's happening today with the, the coronavirus, and um, they, they recently renamed it um, the Corad 19. Oh, the whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. They renamed it because they didn't want it to be associated with a, with a specific place or an animal or anything that could cause um, people to uh, 
be judgmental or um aka the beer company's losing a lot of money right now <laughs> is that what we're trying to say um i wasn't thinking that but it <laughs> but it could be it could be so they they did they have changed the name to be this more scientific name um and so like before when we had the swine flu then people you know didn't want to have anything to do with pigs or, yep. you know and so that made that just puts this fear in people unnecessary fear and so that's why they've recently changed the name of it so Long story short, it's not 1918, and we have to be very grateful for that. Mm-hmm. We have to be grateful for the advances in modern medicine and what we've learned from um, this pandemic that happened in 1918. Be grateful that we're not, the pandemic has not gotten to the levels of 1918. Right. And then even then, when we are sick, think about having the flu. I mean, I immediately go to the flu, flu, like throwing up. But like in 1918, the conference of your home, even though it's your home, can't be that comfortable no. compared to now when you right. go home and just do right, that, right. Well, and the idea that they were actually quarantining homes, right? Um, you couldn't, you couldn't go to school. I mean, you you think about even now if there's if there's a bug that runs through the schools, they don't necessarily shut the school down. They might just be like, oh, we had a really big absence rate this time. You know, yep. so I mean, we're just in a, such a different place, whether or not it's it was more out of fear why people were being quarantined or if it was legit because they had no way of stopping it and they had no way of knowing how it was being right. spread. So so I know it's not a super upbeat topic for today, <laughs> but I thought it was quite timely since it informative. is informative. And so it's something that is just very timely for what is happening in our world right now. Um, and I am a total history geek about remembering the past so we can learn from it and we can understand how it applies to today um, because there's so many things that layer on top of each other and repeat each other, repeat patterns. And so it's just a great opportunity for us to look back. Um, again, information today, anything about the local aspect of the Spanish flu and what its impact was locally comes from the archives of the Blue Earth County Historical Society. Um, and again, I want to give special Thanks to the CDC's website for the information, historical, broad information about the Spanish flu and the up-to-date information about today's viruses. Um, Shouldn't go there to get freaked out, but honestly, if I see something that's posted by the CDC, I believe it a little bit more than... Um, Rightfully so, yeah. People Magazine or something. (laughs) So um, until next time, we hope that you have the opportunity to see the history that surrounds you. You've been listening to Surrounded by History, a podcast from the Blue Earth County Historical Society, produced by Radio Mankato. For more information on this and other topics, visit BlueEarthCountyHistory.com or stop by the Blue Earth County History Center at 424 Warren Street in Mankato. Thanks for listening to Surrounded by History. History.